I, Barack Hussein Obama, do solemnly swear that I will execute the office of president to the United States. Barack Obama's was an unusual arc to the White House, his parentage, his upbringing in Hawaii and Indonesia, and then it became a more orthodox path through the Ivy League, Chicago community organizing, state politics, and the United States Senate. It's those early years that David J. Garrow undertook to discover in Rising Star, the making of Barack Obama. Garrow is a history professor and law scholar at the University of Pittsburgh who won a Pulitzer Prize 30 years ago for Bearing the Cross, his biography of the Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr. Over the course of nearly 10 years and nearly 1,500 pages, Garrow has turned his eye to the early life of the 44th president. Someone, and it may have been Ken Burns himself, talked about the fact that it took longer to make a Civil War documentary than it did to fight the Civil War. You started researching your book on Barack Obama before Barack Obama was even president. Yes, I first started uh, reading about Barack and and taking notes uh, when he won the Iowa caucuses in January of 2008. Uh, because I was embarrassed that at that point I knew virtually nothing about him. Um, And for the balance of that election year, I read all the biographical journalism uh, about Barack and was consistently disappointed with how uh, uncurious journalists were about, uh, you know, his full life story. What in those early days of 2008 were you looking for? At that point, there were no presidential biographies because he was not yet president. There was his own book. Um, I was mainly just reading newspapers and magazine coverage at that time. Um, you know, his book, Dreams from My Father, is in many ways, uh, you know, more a, a novel than a history. Um, it moves events around in time. It changes everyone's names. Uh, so it's a uh, it's a resource, uh, but it's by no means a, a 100% dependable account of anything. Did you start your work as a blank slate, as someone who thought, who is this guy? I didn't have any particularly strong uh, partisan or, or emotional feelings about him uh, at any point during 2008. Um, I viewed it as more a, a, a sort of historical professional challenge that the journalism was was doing uh, such a, a weak and, and incomplete job uh, of, of describing uh, just what his uh, pre-Washington life had involved. Given your research, a lot of the book is devoted to Obama's early history, to people he knew long before his political career was evolving. I made the decision really very early on um, that I would not go into the presidency um, much at all. Uh, But the real centerpiece of this book um, is, uh, number one, those three years uh, first three years in Chicago uh, when he's a community organizer. 
uh, which I think without question is the most formative uh, period uh, in his life. Uh, then secondly, uh, the following three years, 1988 to 1991, uh, when he goes to Harvard Law School and uh, impresses literally everyone on campus as being a, a complete all-star student. And then in the late 1990s, early 2000s, the eight very almost anonymous years uh, that he spends as a, a Illinois state legislator in, in Springfield, the state capital, those years are um, deeply formative uh, for him as a politician. You spend a lot of time in his early life. There's a lot of what young people, young men and women may do in their early lives about sex, about drugs. If you were writing this about George W. Bush, it would be about drinking and carousing. A lot of these people knew him well then, but did not know him well in his later life. Correct. Um, Barack's cocaine usage up through 1985 when he leaves New York was probably uh, a little bit extensive, even by the standards of uh, the mid-1980s. But I don't think it should surprise anyone uh, that, uh, you know, someone during uh, their 20s, you know, has a a succession of close girlfriends. Um, You know, nowadays the media, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, is more interested in, in focusing on Uh, you know, relationships and sex than anything else. But the real centerpiece of this book is really an intellectual portrait of who Barack became. One thing that has been remarked on consistently is the nature of Barack Obama's temperament, that he could compartmentalize. Yes. I I think you've uh, uh, articulated the the most important word of all in, in understanding Barack and that is compartmentalize. Many people who've known him over the years, uh, in, including Michelle, his wife, uh, you know, have remarked about uh, how, how central uh, that ability to compartmentalize is for him. Uh, and I think ever since he came into the public eye uh, back uh, running that successful U.S. Senate race in 2003-2004, his focus on rigidly compartmentalizing between his his private life and and his public life uh, is a, a really the defining uh, element of of who he's been uh, this last ten or twelve years. One of the qualities of the community organizing world that that he became immersed in uh, from. 85 to 88, uh, was the maxim that an organizer does uh, entirely separate his personal life from his professional life. Um, And I think that that was a a principle that Barack very easily took to heart. I'm very interested in helping to rebuild uh, inner city communities in the country. I'm very interested in uh, figuring out ways to foster dialogue between uh, the private sector and the public sector, between blacks and whites. Because of all those things, I think I'm more interested to go either back into community organizing or uh, to go into government service or uh, politics at some stage. Certainly we've had presidents who've had 
their own origin stories, whether it's log cabins or you name it. This is a man who at a very young age, as a boy, was traveling the world and growing up in Hawaii, a place which was as free of racism as any you would find in the United States, all of which were very formative to a character that was singular, if not unique, for an American president. I think Hawaii, uh, much more so than Indonesia, is, is deeply formative, especially with regard to emotional temperament, uh, and especially with regard to the fluidity or, or indeed indeterminacy uh, of race and ethnicity. Hawaii is, is such a complete ethnic mixing pot or polyglot, um, and the very elite, superb prep school that Barack went to, the Punahou School, um, Punahou had, had very, very few African-American or, or even part African-American students. And so Barack, as a you know, fairly light brown, complected, half black, half white young man, uh, you know, didn't particularly stand out uh, in color terms whatsoever. In Hawaii in the 1970s, the only really classically African-American population were people who were in the U.S. military, uh, you know, and assigned to, you know, one or another of the, the military bases around Pearl Harbor. When Barack goes to start college um, at, at Occidental College, Oxy had a, a several dozen black students from south-central L.A., but also a number of uh, ethnically black or, or partially African-American uh, students like Barack who had grown up in uh, majority white settings, uh, elite prep schools. And the students that Barack uh, was closest to and, and spent all his time with at Oxy were very much international students, uh, often Pakistani, uh, Indian. Barack did not or really much at all, hang out with the uh, uh, Los Angeles, South Central uh, black students. People who, who spoke to you who said that he seemed white, whether they thought this was something to admire or not, their attitudes seemed more about them and their expectations of what an African-American should be. Yes, but also that Barack, before he gets to Chicago in 1985, is not himself uh, really identifying with or seeking out uh, a, a majority black uh, cultural experience. When he's traveling uh, with friends during those years, uh, you know, it's to Singapore, it's to Pakistan, it's to the south of France. Uh, another of his good friends at Oxy was, was uh, a French national. And so before he uh, immerses himself in the almost all-black far south side of Chicago in, in 1985, Barack has lived a, a much more uh, international, multi-ethnic life uh, than a black one. In nine years of research, uh, did it change your thinking about... Barack Obama? Yes. Um, the Barack Obama whom we have seen these last eight or nine years, you know, ten years when he starts running for president, 
is a very, very different person than who he was when he first went into the Illinois legislature in 1997. Barack's first four or five years in Springfield, he's a a very outspoken, very uh, principled state legislator, speaking very powerfully about the need for, uh, you know, single-payer universal health care coverage. Um, But he's in a a heavily uh, Republican-controlled state legislature, um, not getting very far. And after an unsuccessful run for Congress in in 2000, he really begins to change his his attitude towards politics and becomes much more uh, focused on on the need to win, to strategize – towards doing what is is required to win. Uh, Maybe this is when he learned that there's some some uses to bipartisanship. In Springfield, Barack was extremely bipartisan, had good working relationships, even with extremely conservative Republican state legislators, uh, individuals who are are much more conservative than... uh, uh, some of the relevant leaders in in the U.S. Congress during Barack's presidency. So to me, it was very surprising, uh, very disappointing that Barack as president uh, did not do the sort of sustained outreach across the aisle uh, that he did do so productively, uh, so successfully years earlier in Springfield. You got eight hours of off-the-record conversation with President Obama. How did that shape your book? I made the decision in the summer of 2016 to, to let President Obama read uh, the whole first ten chapters of the book. <clears throat> he went through it, uh, marked it up a fair amount. Uh, we sat there for hours on end, uh, no bathroom breaks, <laughs> uh, going, going through the manuscript. I changed a number of uh, relatively small little things where, you know, he had something to say or something he objected to. But those conversations did not, uh, other than at the margins, change the shape or the, the tone of the book really at all. Did he object to your rather critical conclusions? One line is that in spite of his ironclad will, the vessel was hollow at its core. That's in the epilogue. That epilogue is not something that he saw last year. Did he have objections to your sense of conclusion, or or was he looking for factual matters? A a mixture of the two. Since, you know, they were off-the-record conversations, I'm not in a position to, to, you know, directly quote him or describe what he said one thing that can be quite accurately said is that whenever anyone has told their own life story before, one sees this even with, say, civil rights veterans who have been interviewed again and again and again over the years. Once people have told their story, uh, oftentimes as a historian, uh, you find that, that they're very attached to what they have written, what they have said, that that's what they're remembering as distinct from what they actually
Marion is, you know, interviewing multiple people, uh, you know, who are all there for something, uh, some event, uh, you know, no one's uh, version matches up 100 percent, you know, with other people's, uh, even if it's, you know, three or four people on a conference call. Uh, so it's a it's it's an inescapable challenge to put those accounts together and end up with what one believes very carefully, uh, you know, is is overall you know the most accurate uh, portrayal of of what took place. Your epilogue is uh, entitled, The President Did Not Attend as He Was Golfing. Don't you find that a bit of a paradox now when we have a president who's golfed more in three months than Barack Obama did, I think, in a year? I've not been following uh, uh, President Trump day by day whatsoever, but my impression is that uh, in a number of particulars, uh, President Trump has been uh, playing golf with uh, world leaders uh, like the Prime Minister of Japan, uh, for example, um, and has been using, uh, you know, golf as a, a way of, you know, conducting, you know, international relations. With President Obama, as, as the record is quite clear, he was spending really almost 100% of his, of his uh, recreational time with staff assistants or, or old friends. Um, so I think there's, there's some a measurable degree of, of difference there. David Garrow, thank you so very much. Thank you very much. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited by Todd G. Levin and engineered by Levin and Tim French. The early Obama audio is from a 1992 NPR interview. I am Pat Morrison.